Welcome to Crime Shots. I'm Bree. And I'm Nikki. So, uh, before we start, I want to apologize ahead of time for the following. <laughs> I will pronounce things wrong. Not just names and places, but sometimes just words. You you literally say this in every episode. It gets, like, you say, it gets, I apologize for the dogs. I apologize for the background noise. I apologize for me mispronouncing words. Well, the... You're going to understand why I have to apologize for me mispronouncing things this episode. It gets real intense. Okay. Also, uh, I apologize for the sound issues in the previous one episode. <laughs> um, I can't stress enough for our listeners to please go back and listen to our previous episodes. You'll understand why. I have one that I didn't realize until after I started researching how much you, Nikki, are going to be interested in this. Okay. So, West Texas. Mm-hmm. It's dry, rocky West Texas. Right. There is a highway that runs from, like, Abilene all the way down to Mexico. Okay. Highway 277. Okay. So, when you're traveling down 277, you'll pass through places like Del Rio, El Dorado, San Angelo, places like that. Okay. So, I'm researching this case that happened, like, closer to Mexico in the 60s. Okay. I'm thinking... Highway 277 is so familiar. Like, like, did we take a road trip down that road? Like, what's going on? <laughs> so I'll pull it up on Google Maps to see where the highway is, obviously, because I'm all about, like, giving location details. And there it is. What is it? This highway runs through Braunt. Yes, we are familiar with that highway, <laughs> Brandon Lawson episode. Right, exactly. So again, please go back and listen to previous episodes. For a quick catch up, Bront is where Brandon Lawson went missing in 2013. That's where I recognized the highway. His truck was on the side of the road on Highway 277, right outside of Bront. Mm-hmm. Bront. Yes. And he just disappeared after making a 911 call. It's interesting. Yes. So go back and listen to that one. It's a, it's a, it's a good episode. This is another incident on Highway 277. Mm, let's hear about it. The the full highway, it's about 347 miles of, like, mostly open highway. Obviously, the highway's been the location of numerous accidents caused by everything from drunk driving to icy roads to drug-related. But as we know, vehicle accidents are not the only things that happen on this Texas highway. True story. So just south of Sonora, on the side of the road, travelers may notice a monument set up with several names on it. Family members of those names want everybody in the world to know that that memorial on the side of the highway is not set up as a result of a car accident, which most of the time you see stuff set up on the side of the road and you automatically think there was an accident there, right? Right. Yeah, that's not why this is there. Okay. So, on April 16th, 1968, Juan Manuel Ariano, see why I apologize ahead of time, Okay. And his wife, Monica, are both about 25 years old. They decide they're going to drive into Texas so they can visit Juan's sister, who she's about to have a baby. Okay. So they live just inside the Mexican border. It's a place called Villa de Fuente. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's like a neighborhood inside of Coahuila. Okay. 
Anyway, it's one of, it's a state in Mexico. I didn't know that Mexico had 32 states. Mm, okay. I didn't know that. So this is like a neighborhood. It's right on the other side of Eagle Pass. So like if you're, if you go into Eagle Pass and you go just across the border, that would they live just on the other side of it. Okay. So Juan and Monica are headed to San Angelo. Now, San Angelo, we talked about, is along Highway 277, but it's, it's pretty far north into Texas. So it's not like just right on the other side of the border. On blah blah, not right on the other side of the border, right? Right. So I tracked it. Google Maps says that it's like 218 miles from Via de Fuente to San Angelo. Okay. So that's a that's a trip, but this wasn't an unusual trip for them. Being so close to the border, they had many relatives that lived in Texas, so they would frequently visit it. And then Juan had actually held several jobs within the states. So the whole family's pretty much familiar with everything. And when I say that, like if I go into another country, I'm I'm like an American idiot. So <laughs> I have no idea of the culture, the languages, the right. I'm just like, can you show me pictures <laughs> of what you're saying? <laughs> like I speak a little bit of Spanish, but I'm definitely not fluent, right? So but he is, like Juan is fluent in Spanish and English. So when when his family travels, it's not, you know, like me, I'm a deer in a headlights. Right. So they bring their kids as well. So Juan and Monica, and then they bring their kids, Manuel Jr., who is five, Leticia, who is almost three, Eduardo, who is just over a year old, and they also bring another one of Juan's sisters, Rosa, and she's 19. Okay. So girl, when I tell you they load up in the car, uh, they don't make cars like this anymore. They load up in a blue 1958 Buick Special. Oh, Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like old school blue, like the color of the sky. Mm. And if you've ever seen any of these classic cars, they were spacious as hell. They had that big ass steering wheel in the front and like they ride like a boat. You know, you're just like floating. So that's luxury. So they're just cruising along and they come up on Alta Loma. So this is between Sonora and Del Rio along Highway 277. It's one of those, like, small towns that, like, if you blink, you'll miss it. It's There's nothing there. It's just there. Anyway, but they get a flat tire. Obviously, they get out, they fix it, and they keep going. But about five miles down the road, they get another flat tire. At the time, there were people working on the highway that saw the family changing the tire. So, that leads me to believe, like, if there was road construction, maybe that's what caused the flats. But I'm not really sure. It doesn't... I can't find anywhere that says actually what caused the flats. Anyway, so... There's a cowboy that stops to help him. A cowboy? Mm-hmm. Okay. So he pulls up on the side of the road in a 1967 Chevy Fleet Side Series 10 pickup. Oh, yeah. Um, this dude's like six foot tall mm-hmm. and like at least 200 pounds. Oh, okay. And he's like super cowboyed up. Okay. So this is important because... I mean, this is Texas. So, okay, but, but go ahead. Okay, let, let's, let's be honest, okay? People have their like assumptions... Of what Texas looks like, right? And it's not like we're all like walking around in cowboy hats and boots and rhinestones and fringe and stuff. Like, true. I mean, if we're not going to a rodeo, like you just don't see that every day. But this dude, when I say he's cowboyed up, like we're talking full rhinestones, boots, hat, everything. Okay. Like super tight pants, tucked in with all the little <laughs> things. Did on you the see shirt him? Shirt. Okay. Well, that's what that's how it, it was described. Okay. So if you do come to Texas, don't expect to just see everybody looking like that. We don't dress like that on a regular basis. It's got to be a special occasion. Anyway, so when you see people on the side of the road with a flat 
and standing with a like super cowboyed up dude, you kind of remember it, right? So this cowboy took Juan and his son Manuel Jr. into Sonora to get their tire repaired. Because remember I said there's there's nothing along this highway really. So they have to kind of go into the next town. Sonora's like another 30 or 40 miles north. So it wasn't super quick. So he takes them there to get their tire fixed. While their tire's getting fixed, they go to a cafe next door and get some burgers. So once the tire's fixed, they load back up with the cowboy and head back to the car back to their car that's obviously still on the side of the road. So I think it's important for people that don't know that land on the side of the highways are almost always owned by somebody. Right. So like when you're driving down a long highway, most of the time there's a fence just off of the road that separates the highway from private owned property. Right. It's very rare that you actually see just like open land with no fence for anybody to just walk around on. Right. This area is no different, and that's exactly what's along Highway 277. In this particular area, it's really rocky, and the fences are a little further off the road, but they're even built, like, through some of the rocks. Mm. So, I mean, but there's a lot of brush. I'm not going to say, like, woods, because it's not really... Woods. Like a... Yeah, it's not like a bunch of tall trees. Right. Yeah, it's not like a bunch of tall trees. It's like a lot of brush, a lot of cactus... Not necessarily easy to walk through because almost everything has thorns on it. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so places like this are usually full of like cattle, deer, snakes, armadillos, goats, stuff like that. So on the east side of 277, at the time, most of the land was owned by Walter Whitehead, who had an 80,000 acre ranch. Okay. So, with a ranch that con- that size, it's a pretty good size ranch. There's usually I would say so. <laughs> there's usually several entrances to make it easier, like more easily accessible to ranch hands, right, that are taking care of the land. So, of course, there's an entrance to the ranch from Highway 277 that's gated. So, the next morning after the whole flat tire fiasco, a couple ranch hands that worked at the Whitehead Ranch go to open the gate off of two of off of highway 277 when they notice blood on the ground so there's like a small trail of blood and honestly being ranch hands they're probably thinking that they have an injured animal somewhere somebody or, shot a deer you know, some, exactly or somebody hit a deer on the highway and it you know went somewhere but so they follow the blood trail and it leads them to a water trough so Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. If you don't know what a water trough oh yeah <laughs> explain that for the people who may not know it's like it's like a big receptacle that holds water for animals a receptacle basically. yeah what what are you gonna call it i don't a know tub but like you a big tub well i don't i don't know how to i don't know how to phrase it anyway a lot of ranches and farms have them because like they can't always rely on rain to fill whatever holes they have in the ground it's a big metal container that holds water for animals it's not always metal sometimes it's plastic okay (laughs) i'm just saying it's a it's a big thing that they put water in big thing i said receptacle you didn't like that go ahead anyway so that's a water trough and anyway so they go to the water trough and they find juan's body and he had been shot so 
Authorities are contacted to come out. Just, wait, they, he found just one? At first. Okay. So authorities come out, and they find Monica's body in a ditch about a mile away. Uh, then they find Rosa's body, not too far from Monica's, and she was naked and appeared to have been raped. All three children's bodies were found close to their father. Eduardo appeared to have been stabbed several times in the back. Oh my god. Leticia had been shot twice between the eyes, mm. but she was alive. What? Mm-hmm. And Mel Manuel Jr. had been stabbed and shot in the back of the head. He was also alive. So, obviously, Leticia died from her injuries two days later. They, she was taken to the hospital, and she died two days later. And then after several brain surgeries, Manuel Jr. actually survived. <gasps> wow. So, their family car was found like eight miles down the road in the same place they had pulled over to fix their second flat tire, and the tire was still flat. So, obviously, authorities want to talk to Manuel Jr. like as soon as he's able to, right? Yeah, but he's uh, super young. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he can, he can talk, though. Okay. So, um, they had actually flown him to a hospital in San Antonio. The problem is that because of his injuries, he couldn't hear very well. And he was also too young to read or write, and he only spoke Spanish. So, and I know Texas being so close to Mexico that you would think that there'd be more Spanish-speaking people, but there's just not. I mean, anyway, I think there's a lot, but I wish I well, did. More so now than in the 60s, I think. Anyway, so uh, I think because it's required now, you have to take Spanish in school. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So, Texas Ranger... I don't know, Ale Jr., was tasked with finding someone to interpret. Luckily, one of the nurses at the hospital in San Antonio had a husband who was fluent in English and Spanish. So um, they brought him in, and they spent, like, a lot of time talking to the, the kid because he's a kid, so there's some stuff he remembers, there's some stuff he doesn't. There's He's been through tons of surgeries. Like, it's just... So they have to kind of take their time with it. But he tells authorities about everything that happened before the murders, everything that I explained to you. Then he says, on their way back from Sonora with the big cowboy, the cowboy started shooting at rabbits and deer out the window while he was driving. Oh. So the boy said that his dad got angry about it and tried to take the gun away from the cowboy. And they started fighting. When Juan and Manuel Jr. tried to want run away, the cowboy shot him. So, obviously, the authorities have a suspect, a cowboy. So, several people around Sonora remember seeing the cowboy in town. The per person that repaired their tire was able to give authorities, like, a detailed description about how he looked. Mm -hmm. And so they draw up, a, draw up a sketch of the guy. Apparently, he was even spotted in Sonora several days before the murders. Oh. But he's not a local. So, so you see what I'm saying? But he was memorable. I mean, people remembered seeing him. Right. So basically, authorities have an entire family that's been murdered. A little boy that has barely escaped his own life. Uh, but is also an eyewitness. And numerous, numerous people around town that are able to identify this cowboy. But they have no idea who the guy is. Right. They have no weapon. And they're not 100% positive that there's just one guy. So the case goes cold. Then, in 1999, randomly, someone calls the Department of Public Safety and said that they know who the cowboy is. In 1999? Mm-hmm. When the murders happened in 68. Yeah. Okay. So, it turns out it was a dead end. 
Oh. But it did bring attention back to the case. Oh. So, Sergeant Brooks Long with the Texas Rangers is assigned to the case. He actually found Manuel Jr. Mm. So, after he recovered, he went to go live with his grandmother in Mexico. Sergeant Long even contacted him and went to go visit him in Mexico. Like, he has, you know, a wife and he has kids now and everything, but he actually went and went to go talk to him. So, what is the one thing that's been able to catch killers now that wasn't available in the 60s? DNA. DNA, yes. I love it when you answer correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Which is always. (laughs) Mm, Okay. (laughs) So, DNA. Uh, Investigators still had the evidence. Uh, and some of the evidence could possibly contain DNA. So Sergeant Long submits it in. He thinks that there was more than one person involved, and he's hoping that the results of the DNA will prove that. Okay. It's also believed by the locals in Edwards County where this happened that whoever did this did more than just this. That there were they weren't the only people. Right. So Unsolved Mysteries featured a case of a 17-year-old... Raul Arevalo in Sonora in 1953, where he had taken, like somebody was stranded on the side of the road, had run out of gas, and he went to go take them some gas, right? And his body was found six days later. Like he was reported missing, Mm -hmm. and they found his body six days later. Oh. So that's just one of the situations. The owners of the little gas station in Loma Alta there's a little gas station there now, say that people won't even stop there anymore. Mm-hmm. Especially especially people driving up from Mexico because, you know, rumors get around. They've heard so many stories. Right. And so they say someone's targeting people driving up and down that highway. Right. So, of course, you know, they're suffering. But uh, if you happen to be driving down, along Highway 277, about 34 miles south of Sonora, there's a memorial on the side of the road. It was placed by Pete Gomez Sr., Mario Lira, Fred Perez, Ramiro Martinez, and it lists the names of the Ariano family. So, it's still a cold case at this point. Really? They never found them? Yeah, uh, all they know is that there's there's a cowboy. Well, what about the DNA? Did they test DNA from... So, he sent it off, but, of course, you know, sometimes it comes back really fast and I can have an answer for you and sometimes I don't. But he hasn't ha- he hasn't gotten an answer yet. As of 2020, there was no answer. There was no results. That's really weird. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we did some digging, how many people we could find that went missing. Because we've now done two episodes on people that went missing on 270 or died. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I tried to do a search, but of you know like deaths on 277 but it mainly comes up with like car crashes so it's it's difficult to do it that way well we'll take a look later so information on this case can be submitted online through the texas rangers cold case website or calling the texas rangers tip line at 1-800-346-3243 the case number is 256 you can also contact crime stoppers at 1-800-252-8477 good so it's crazy I just feel that, like this is just horrible. Like it takes a special kind of psycho to kill an entire family. Oh, I agree. But there's psychos out there, so. And this person's never been caught. I mean, this person killed an entire family and a little baby and has never been caught. So some of the rumors that I was reading in the articles and everything were 
there's a lot of people within the, I guess, investigations system, I don't know, that have similarities of murders that are that are that happened all over the country in relation to this one but I don't think that they've technically connected them but anyway so yeah so they have there there are other cases but anyway so well it's crazy and we'll have to that's gonna be interesting we need to do that we need to look at research missing people and murders on 277 absolutely yeah I'll, I'll I'll get on some research for that, and we'll keep everybody updated on where this case goes. Sounds good. All right, on to the next. Here we go.